Well, good morning, Fellowship Greenville. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to worship with all of you today. Mother's Day 2023. That was a little bit of an emotional video. It reminded me kind of like a good Publix commercial. If you've forgotten about Mother's Day until right this moment, you can go online, you can uh, Google, you can search uh, Publix videos. You can send that to your mom. Just cut it off before the Publix logo comes up because it doesn't have anything to do with Publix. It's just a real feel-good story. Uh, So you could send that to her as your greeting. The last few, don't really do that. Uh, The last few uh, Mother's Days have been wonderful for me personally because my daughters are old enough to take responsibility for appropriately appreciating their mom the way it should be. Hey dad, what are we doing for Mother's Day? For mom, whatever you want. She's your mom, figure it out. (laughs) A wonderful mom she is. I want to, on this Mother's Day, wish a very happy Mother's Day to my mom. Here's a nice little picture of the Malone family. There's my mom, Janice Irene. Uh, And then uh, my older brother, Josh, lives down in Charleston. My younger sister, Jennifer, who lives uh, in Spartanburg, that makes me the middle child. And a lot of you go, that figures. So <laughs> you just learn some things. Yeah, that sounds about right. She's my mom. She's incredible. She's kind. She's loving. She's supportive. She's prayerful. She's a servant. She's hospitable. She's a Jesus follower. She is no doubt the crown jewel of the Malone family. I wish you could all meet her. You would love her and you would walk away asking questions about how in the world that is my mom. But if you met my dad, it would make a lot more sense. More on that Father's Day when I teach. Anyway, if you are a guest with us today at Fellowship, we do wanna say welcome. Uh, our uh, worship leaders have already welcomed you today. We're so thankful that you're hanging out with us. And we do hope that you find this to be a place that makes much of Jesus. That is our heartbeat, it is our desire. And if you are new, if you do have questions about our church family, we would, as Matt said, love for you to stop by guest services in the commons or in the back of Auditorium 2. Good morning to Auditorium 2. Are those of you that are watching online, we know I have a lot of folks that are traveling because of Mother's Day, so hello to you uh, as well. But if you've been here for a few weeks or a few months or a few years and you're interested in getting more connected, uh, you can stop by Next Steps, also out in the Commons area. And speaking of people taking their next step to be connected here at Fellowship, with a desire to come alongside and be a connection for others, we have a ministry here, I wanna talk about it very briefly. We have a ministry here called Stephen Ministry where people who are walking through a hard season of life, it could be the loss of a loved one, it could be hospitalization, it could be a season of loneliness or discouragement, unemployment or job crisis, terminal illness or chronic illness, adoption, miscarriages, infertility, many other things. We actually have here at Fellowship people that have gone through extensive training to walk one-on-one with you or those that you love through those difficult seasons. We just had 12 people in our fellowship family walk through over 50 hours of intentional training that they might walk with you or walk with you and your loved one. These aren't paid staff. They're not stipend. These are people who belong to this church family who care deeply about walking with people who are part of this church family who are walking through difficult things. And these are the 12 newest. There's more than these 12. And so I just didn't want that to be lost on us. I say this often. I know that fellowship is a large church numerically. You hear Charlie and I and Jim regularly talking about how we can grow smaller as we grow bigger. I often say this, you are connected and cared for at fellowship to the degree that you want to be connected and cared for. We don't do it perfectly all the time. We miss things. We got gaps. I would be the first to acknowledge that as one of the leaders here, but I will say that we really do desire and are intentional to have things in place so that we can actually walk with people through all seasons of life. And so if that is you and you wanna be connected more, step one is to stop by next steps. And there'll be some folks there that would love nothing more than to help you get connected here at Fellowship Greenville. And I just wanted to personally say to those of you and many like you who have put in the time and energy and effort it takes to walk with people well, Thank you for doing that. That's not lost on us and it allows us to be the church that God has called us to be. That's not my message today, but I just wanted to say it. If you are newer with us, we are in the midst of a little mini series entitled Multiplying Our Community to Reach Our Community. And Charlie and I are taking a couple of weeks to talk about an exciting opportunity in front of us here at Fellowship Greenville to launch Fellowship Greenville Adams Mill. 
literally down the road, the same road, six miles, just right down the road. And if you're newer with us, it's not the first time we've moved around on this road. Uh, back in the 1980s, a group of folks at Southside Baptist that would become known as Southside Fellowship and now Fellowship Greenville, they moved from Augusta Road into what many thought was the middle of nowhere because it was definitely in the middle of the country back in the day. They moved to the corner of Woodruff Road and Highway 14. I was in elementary school back then. I was a part of that whole transition and that move and I remember it well. Years later, after a gym attic fire, on a night where I happened to be in the gym with 150 middle school students, which is another story for another time if you haven't heard about it, we found our way through the Lord's leading to this property and to this facility. And Charlie focused a good bit of time uh, last week talking about our community here the community of grace that is Fellowship Greenville and our need to create space because of God's grace and kindness as we have continued to grow. And he shared some details and numbers that are very important for all of us to consider as we look at moving forward with this opportunity. And if you weren't here last week and you missed any of that, it's online and I can't encourage you enough to actually go and give that a listen. But today, I wanted to focus on a different side of the same coin I wanted to focus on our gospel presence in the midst of our community, as in the community that Fellowship Greenville finds itself in the middle of because of God's sovereign plan and his sovereign design. Because acknowledging where God and his sovereignty has placed us is the starting point for me in processing how I might join him in putting the beauty and the hope of the gospel on display in what we could call our circle of influence. I have often said, and I'm gonna keep saying it through the years to come, when we are truly broken over the lostness of our place, that's the day that we actually become missionaries in that place. And we begin to see with his eyes how we might reach that place that before the foundation of the world, he knew that we would live and do life, right? I mean, think about it. I don't wanna rush past it. If you sit here today in relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ, how unbelievable is that? That's not pastor speak. There are 7.8 billion people currently on this planet. And not only are you in relationship with him, he has called you to be his representation in this world, first and foremost, right where you live, where your story of grace lives out 24-7. And he knows, he has always known that your story of grace, get a load of this, your story of grace, would join with all of these other stories of grace within this community of grace known as Fellowship Greenville in this geography for such a time as this to make much of him and invite others to walk with Jesus as you walk with Jesus. It's us being the church in this geography, in this moment in time. And this is a challenge for some of us to think about at times because of the American individualized personal world that we live in, where we think everything's about our choices. And I'm not saying that you don't have choices. I'm saying in the midst of those choices that God knew before the foundation of the world that your story of grace would play out exactly where he wanted it to play out. And at some point in time, many of you in this room, you made a decision about what you were gonna do with Jesus because one thing Jesus is always doing is challenging people to do something with him. If you read through the gospels, Jesus is always pushing it. Either tell me to get lost or follow me. These are the options. The one thing that Jesus never lets you do is look at him and go, I'm all right with you. 
And when you and I, when we give our life to Jesus, when we begin to follow him, then you are about what he's about. And what he's about is redeeming his creation and his vehicle to accomplish that mission of redemption is the church. Big C, Christ followers around the globe. And really what I wanted to do this morning is take a few minutes and remind you of that today. That this called into relationship to be his representation plan, that that has been the plan all along. So if you have your Bibles, would you open them up to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16. And as you turn there, I wanna give you a little bit of background for context sake, because we're not currently teaching through the gospel of Matthew. So let me set it up a little bit, and then we'll look at a few verses. Chapter 16, it sits in the section of Matthew where Jesus' ministry in Galilee is coming to an end as he moved towards Jerusalem and his death. And there's been a lot of opposition to Jesus by the religious leaders of the day because again, what are you gonna do with Jesus? And the disciples are having their own crisis of faith as Jesus performs miracle after miracle and yet Jesus still describes the disciples as having little faith even though he continues to do these miracles in front of them. And that brings us to Matthew 16 and this is what it says in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the son of man is? So really quickly, let me share this. Uh, Caesarea Philippi is about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It would have been an area known for Baal worship, the worship of the nature god called Pan. There was also a temple here dedicated to Augustus Caesar by Herod the Great. So here in the middle of all the idols, all the temple worship, all the little G-gods, Jesus asks a question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And he's referring to himself. In the Gospel of Matthew, that phrase, Son of Man, is used about 28 times, so a good bit. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Because you have to do something with Jesus. Verse 14 says, Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. So here's what is obvious with this answer in verse 14. Uh, lots of people had lots of thoughts about Jesus and who Jesus was and what Jesus was about because it was prophesied in Malachi 4 that Elijah would come again. And so some people thought that Jesus was Elijah. Herod thought that Jesus was John the Baptist uh, resurrected. And if you remember Jeremiah, he's known as the weeping prophet, rejected and rejected and rejected again. So lots of people with lots of opinions about Jesus, which is interesting because you can fast forward to May of 2023 and there's still lots of people who have lots of opinions about Jesus. But Jesus turns the question to them, the disciples. Look back at verse 15, he says, then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? I mean, that is the question of all questions, isn't it? Because the answer to that question has ramifications for all of life, now and forever. Who do you say that I am? And make no mistake about it, this is a confrontational question from Jesus to his disciples because Jesus clearly knows who he is. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, so the promised one, the anointed one. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And there is so much theological richness in this response from Peter that he doesn't even fully comprehend as Jesus will point out momentarily. 
<laughs> but earlier in this gospel, Matthew had referred to Jesus as the Messiah. But this is the first time that one of the disciples calls Jesus the Messiah, along with Peter saying, you are the son of the living God. Now remember, in the midst of a place where idols are everywhere, false gods are everywhere, Pan is worshiped, temples are up. Peter claims, you are the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, you're blessed Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. There's a few things to consider here. One, never forget it's the kindness and grace of God that has led you, led me, led any of us that has a relationship with God through Jesus to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John six, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Here in Matthew 16, Jesus says to the newly named Peter, God the Father revealed this to you, who I am. And God, here, here's the deal, God opening Peter's eyes to who Jesus is is so relatable to any and all of us that have ever had our eyes opened to who Jesus is and that we are in relationship with him, that we at some point in time have confessed him as the son of the living God and we're gonna follow you with our life. That's the story of so many of you in this room, those of you in auditorium too, those of you listening online today. This is your story. He opened my eyes. I'm gonna follow you. Because you gotta do something with Jesus. Now, interestingly, this plays out in our day and time in interesting ways. There have always been many people that say they believe in Jesus, and that is true today. I recently read where 85% of Americans say they believe Jesus was a true historical figure. And among that 85%, almost all of them, more than nine out of 10, believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead. But the question is this. Who is the Jesus that you say that you believe in? Because who you say Jesus is has ramifications for how you follow Jesus. If you think that Jesus was simply a good teacher, that's how you'll follow him, intrigued by his teaching, maybe attempting to learn a few more things. Or if you think Jesus had some uh, good ideas about how to have a good life, when you're looking for the good life or when you need some solid advice to help you out of a tough spot, then you might tune in to what he said when things seem tough. But if you think that it's simply good advice, here's what we all do with advice. We take it or leave it. Depending on lots of different things in the moment. Some of us have turned what Jesus had to say into, you know, the Golden Corral, Ponderosa. I don't know what buffets are hot these days. It's like we're just going through and taking what we like. I like that, I'll have a little bit of that. That looks great, I'll have some of that. That's, I'm not having any of that, I don't like that. But if you like Peter proclaim You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. What you're saying is you are my redeemer because I needed to be redeemed. Then, then your life is his life. And the invitation to be his representation in the world is the sweetest invitation ever. These next words to Peter and us become incredibly purposeful words when you say, I wanna follow you, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus says, I will build my 
church. And if Jesus promised to build his church, what better to give your life to than what Jesus promised he was gonna do? Now, some of you grew up in a church tradition that took these verses and made a case for Peter being the first pope because it's been said that Peter had a special authority and that authority gets passed down to church leaders and bishops that serve under the pope. Obviously not enough time to unpack all of that today, but I did want to clearly articulate this. This passage is about our savior who makes an incredible proclamation and provides us with an unstoppable mission. The people of God, the church, big C, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus where they live and do life, relationship, representation. And yeah, Peter's the first apostle to make this proclamation. We read about him in the book of Acts being used by the spirit of God in incredible ways, but it's not just him. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and that Jesus is the cornerstone and that we are the church and that we're all part of what Jesus promised right here in Matthew 16. I will build my church. And if Jesus promised to build his church, what better to give your life to than what Jesus promised he was gonna do? So can I just walk it through? Because these words to me, they carry a lot of weight. These five words, I. That's Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God, the bread of life, the light of the world, the true vine, the door of the sheep, the resurrection and the life, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus is the Jesus that makes this promise. I will build. And while we know the church is a people, not a building, the metaphor often used to describe the church is that of a building. And the point of that is this, Jesus is the one doing the building. Jesus is the one responsible for the growth and the expansion and the multiplication. And he has done that and will do that by redeeming people and through those redeemed people living intentionally redeemed lives where he has placed them. I will build my. His church belongs to him. Ephesians 5 tells us that Jesus is the head of the church, that he loves the church, that he cares for the church, that he gave himself for the church, presenting his church holy and blameless. I will build my church. Church. It's not a building. It's a redeemed and transformed people. I love the church. And this is the first occurrence of this word in the New Testament, ecclesia, which means a called out assembly. Not simply a local assembly, although that's true, but all people who are proclaiming what Peter's proclaiming. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Each of us as followers of Jesus, living stones, as Peter would later say in 1 Peter. Like, I don't want us to miss this. Here, in this moment, we find Jesus looking down the corridor of time and history that would not only lead him soon to the cross, but would also fast forward to May 2023, capture you and me sitting here today as a part of this church family with absolute assurance and confidence in his promise, I will build my church. And what better to give your life to than what Jesus promised he was gonna do?
And so you read on through the book of Acts and you see this unbelievable expansion of the church. And as Charlie said last week, we here at Fellowship Greenville, like many other gospel preaching churches through the years, we are a continuation of what God said he would do. Us. We, again, I said it, I'll say it again. We live in such an I, individualistic society that I wonder sometimes, even when we come into this setting, I, it's not wrong to say, Lord, what, what would you like to say to me today? That's an okay thing to say. But you know what else you should be saying? Lord, what do you wanna to say to us? Us at Fellowship Greenville. You see, when you're convinced theologically about what God is up to and his invitation to come alongside him, to follow him, then as we have said repeatedly here through the years, we are looking for where he is working and we wanna join him there. That's not a trite statement. That's not an overly simplistic statement. That is actually a guide for all of life that is rooted in theological conviction that has implications for us personally as followers of Jesus and for us corporately as the body of Christ known as Fellowship Greenville. The idea of joining God where he's working, that's not original with us. Author and pastor that many of you have heard, uh, Henry Blackaby, he articulated this years ago through a study he wrote entitled Experiencing God. Show of hands if you did Experiencing God back in the day. Look around the room, so many of us, absolutely. It's great. It's a great study. What's interesting is that many people, maybe yourself included, process through Experiencing God on a personal level, which is great, like that's not, a, that's not a bad thing, but it was actually birthed out of a local church that Henry pastored. And that church was actually joining God where he was working in Canada. Charlie and I both recently reread a little book that tells the story of Henry and his family moving to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, where he pastored Faith Baptist Church for about 12 years. It was a church of only a handful of people when he arrived. And that little group of followers of Jesus would end up being part of planting dozens of churches across Saskatchewan and starting a Bible college all as they continually looked to join God where he was working and leading. And as you can imagine, if you read through this little book, there's story after story of God's provision of people coming to faith, people giving their life to walking with Jesus and ministering to other people, the church being the church as the church multiplied. And definitely there's, in the book, there are stories of challenge and difficulty because there always is. But there was this one, just a couple of sentences that jumped out at me as I was rereading it. And this, I wanted to share it with you today. This is what Henry says. When God does his mighty work in the midst of his people in a particular place, it's overwhelming to those who are there to experience him. Though it often brings much hard work for them, his presence makes everything worthwhile. It is time in all of our churches, for God's people to experience the real presence of our living Lord, guiding us collectively and to adjust our lives to his purpose and activity. We read that last part again. <clears throat> it's time for all of our churches, for God's people to experience the real presence of our living Lord, guiding us collectively and to adjust our lives to his purpose and activity. You hear what he's saying? It's time for the church to go beyond focusing solely on our personal individual lives. Not there's anything wrong with that. But it must and should include collectively, congregationally, 
partnering with Jesus as he continues to build his church. Here's what I wanna encourage you with. When you walk in step with the Holy Spirit and when you join God where he's working, you won't find yourself just reading other people's stories about how God showed up. But his activity in and through our life will join the thousands and thousands and thousands of stories before us proclaiming that Jesus is doing what he said he would do. Build his church for his glory and fame. And listen, I get it. I'm super transparent with you here. I know we're talking about moving and we're talking about another building and we're talking about that costs money. I get all of that. But the church is a people. And those people gather together, worship, they're taught the word, they're discipled, they're equipped, they're cared for. They're sent out on mission. I shared the story a few moments ago of this church's journey over the decades. And I look around this room and I've been around long enough that a lot of you have been here with me for the decades. And some of your decades are more than my decades by several decades. But the faith of a group of people to step away from everything that was happening and hopping on Augusta Road back in the day and moving to the middle of the country has led to an opportunity to have missional impact all over this geography and beyond. And through a fire, there was a group of people who had the faith to step out and move down the road a few miles. And some of you are here today. Charlie talked about this last week. Some of you are here today and you're growing in your relationship with God and you're living with gospel intentionality in your spheres of influence because a while back, some people stepped out in faith and came here. I don't want that to be lost on us. On a personal level, what we're talking about today has been my heartbeat over the past 17 years of life and ministry. When I say heartbeat, here's what I mean. A theological conviction centered around being called into relationship with the living God through Jesus to be his representation in the world and the church, big C, being God's primary instrument to put the beauty and the hope of the gospel on display. And that conviction has led me, although imperfectly at times, to look where the spirit is working and join him there. My heart broken over the lostness of a place that I care deeply for. Because before the foundation of the world, the Lord knew that my little story of grace would play out in his grand story of redemption in the upstate of South Carolina. I really believe that. 10 counties, 1.5 million people, the world in so many ways moving here as business has boomed. And 80% of our little buckle of the Bible belt is unchurched. Eight out of every 10 people you interact with. Now that may be hard for some of you to believe because the only people you interact with are people sitting here with you. And by the way, to even be a part of that 20% of church in the survey that I read meant that you went to uh, two church services every eight weeks. Churched. And I can take you to the exact spot on Woodruff Road, the red light I was stopped at when I looked into the back seat of my car and saw my daughter Caroline. She was two at the time. Next week she graduates from high school. She was two. And she doesn't remember this, but I said out loud two things to the Lord. One a question and one a statement. The question was this as I looked at Caroline. Lord, what will the church in the upstate of South Carolina be and look like when she's grown? Followed by this statement. 
Lord, I will give my days to the building up, the equipping, and the multiplication of the church. And when I left Fellowship Greenville 16 years ago with a handful of other families, with the blessing of Fellowship Greenville, it was because I was convinced that Jesus promised to build his church and what better to give my life to than what Jesus promised he was gonna do. And even coming back to Fellowship Greenville now two years ago, this promise continues to be at the center of what I, we, not just me, we in leadership, we as the people of Fellowship Greenville, I know this is true for so many of you seated in the room today. You wanna give your life to this. And then you get this front row seat of seeing God show up time and time again because of course he, of course he does that because it's what he's about. When we planted Summit, there were five families in my living room and we all had little kids and then pretty soon we had more families and there were kids and we couldn't meet in any of our homes. Our homes weren't big enough for that sort of thing. And so we said, where do we go? Where can we begin to meet? And we called um, the Maravan Center a business park at the corner of Woodruff Road and 385. And the guy who owned the business park said, you guys are interested in planting a church? There's some ladies that have a business here and they, they love church planting. You should come meet with them. And so he gave us the building number H7 and nine, I believe back in the day. And I drove into the back of this business park and one of my buddies was with me and I walk in and on the sign of the door, it says Mary Kay Cosmetics. And I walk in and there's 10 ladies sitting around a table. They said, tell us your story. When it was Jason, I was a pastor here, a student ministry pastor and myself and a few other families were planting a church. It's gonna be called Summit Church. We've been in homes, but we don't have any more space. They said, you're welcome to use our space. If you wanna start here, you'll be the third church plant to start in the Mary Kay Cosmetics building. They said, uh, you can use all of our chairs. And uh, they had a room that maybe held 80 people. And then they had all these other rooms where they would do uh, makeup things uh, during the week. And they said, you can take those rooms and they're great for kids space. All right, sounds good to us. And they said, oh, we have a storage space in the back and so you can store your sound equipment and stuff there. Now, I'd never been a part of church planting, but a lot of my buddies were a part of church planting. And here's what I knew about all of my buddies that were a part of church planting. They had to buy a trailer. They had to buy thousands of dollars of stuff to go in a trailer. And then they spent their entire weekend loading, unloading, loading, unloading a trailer. That's church planting. So if the Mary Kay lady said we could use all of their stuff and just store a few things in the back and come in on Sunday morning and plug in a few things, I was in, right? And so we began to meet in that space. It was super kind and gracious of them. We met there for about two months. And about that time, they came back to us and they said, we're moving out. We don't need this space anymore. Would you like to take over the lease? And we're like, well, maybe. How much is it? And they said, it's $4,000 a month. And I remember, I was like, well, that might as well be $4 million to us. We have $4,000 a month. And in that time, I was at a, a Panera Bread, the one that shops at Green Ridge, sitting outside in a little courtyard between Bricks and uh, Panera. And uh, I was sitting there minding my own business. I had my uh, laptop open. I didn't have my Bible out. I wasn't looking super spiritual, just doing a few things on my computer. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this guy walking up to me rather uh, uh, towering man. And as I saw him approaching out of my left, I quickly assumed it was somebody from Fellowship Greenville because this is a big church and I had worked here for a decade and oftentimes I'm out on the town with my wife maybe on a date and someone will come up and talk with us from Fellowship Greenville for a good five to 10 minutes and then they walk away and my wife says, who was that? And I go, I don't have any idea. How did I do? Did I act like I knew him? She goes, you did a fantastic job. So I'm putting that out there in case you come up to me. I know who I am. I'm fine with it. I don't have any idea. So I just assumed that it was someone from Fellowship Greenville, but it wasn't. Listen to this opening line from a guy I've never met. He walks up, he's standing over me, and he said, uh, I don't know who you are or what your story is, but God told me to give you this. And he hands me money. And I'm supposed to tell you that more's on the way. I'm fairly Baptistic in my background. Can I say that? 
So all my circuits are kind of being blown in that moment when I look back at this guy and I say, well, my name's Jason and myself and a few other families are starting a church here in town called Summit. He said, well, uh, I'm supposed to pray over you that you don't go down any dead ends. So may I pray over you? And I go, yeah, that'd be great. He prayed over me. I said, thanks so much for listening to the spirit today. You've been a huge encouragement to my heart. He said, my name's Jack. I'm from Alpharetta, Georgia, just passing through. Here's my business card, which I took, which I wrote him again to think I never heard from him again. The next week, I'm in another coffee shop in town, just working. In walks a lady. Hey, Jason. Hey, lady, I don't know. She goes to the other side of the coffee shop. She sits there for about an hour. When she's walking back out the door, she goes, hey, what's the name of your guys' church you're starting? Lord told me I'm supposed to give you some money. She pulls out her checkbook and she writes a check to Summit. And I said, ma'am, uh, last week I was at Panera and a stranger walked up to me and handed me some money and told me more was on the way. And I just wanna let you know that you're part of more on the way. And she goes, well, that's really cool. I go, tell me about it. Well, when the ladies had moved out of the Mary Kay space, we needed to paint it because it had kind of a pink hue, the space. <laughs> and so we had called around to several different paint contractors to come in and paint. And some of you are going, well, why not do a church paint night? Because that's a horrible idea. Church paint night's a horrible idea. <laughs> you got these dads calling up. I wanna bring little Timmy, he wants to paint. <laughs> well, would you let Timmy paint your house? No, well then don't bring him to God's house. That's what I said. I did have to have a few of those conversations. But it was real expensive to get it painted. And one day in this time frame, a guy, one of the guys, his name was Steve. I didn't know Steve, but he'd put in a bid on the job, thousands of dollars. And he calls me one day and he's kind of a, a rougher, gruffer guy. And he says, is this Jason? I go, yeah. This is Steve. Hey, Steve, put a bid in to paint. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I remember. We're just trying to get some other bids in. Well, I think, I think the spirit of God's telling me to come do it for free. He's like angry about it. <laughs> so I said what any good pastor would say, don't argue with God, brother. <laughs> Actually, what I said was, well, can we at least pay for the paint? No, I'm supposed to do that too, pick your colors. My crew will be there Friday. I was like, all right, man. But when Steve showed up to paint, I walked up to him and said, Steve, I know we don't know each other. Thanks so much for listening to the Spirit. Two weeks ago, a random guy walked up and gave me money and told me more's on the way. I wanna let you know that you're part of more on the way. And just a tear ran down his face because I think for Steve, he was trying to learn what it means to listen to the Holy Spirit. And his story after story after story that I could tell you about just kind of sitting on the front row and watching God do what God's gonna do. Now, I know that was about a facility and a building, but now Summit Church, through the Lord's kindness and grace, we're doing ministry in a lot of places, just like fellowship is. It's about a people collectively together, coming together to live on mission where God and his kindness, sovereignty, and grace knew that our stories of grace would play out before the foundation of the world. If you believe that to be true theologically, then that has ramifications for strategic, methodological, practical decisions that have to be made. Those aren't unspiritual because they're not untethered from the theological conviction of what Jesus Christ himself said, which was what? I will build my church. Well, then I'm gonna get in on that. There have been a few questions that have come in even over the past week. Charlie answered some questions throughout his service last week. I've got four and then we're done. Some of you have asked, how does the Upstate Church Collective tie in with this move? You guys know that we launched the Upstate Church Collective a couple of years ago now. Now, Charlie mentioned that at some point, as Fellowship Greenville Adams Mill grows, it'll more than likely become a part of the Upstate Church Collective, like we here at Fellowship Greenville are already a part of the Upstate Church Collective, like Summit Church and Griggs are a part of the Upstate Church Collective. But undertaking this move to Adams Mill is not slowing down or delaying other work taking place within the midst of the Upstate Church Collective. Not only are we in year two of our discipleship and lay leadership intensive training tracks, but I wanted to share with you that 
As Charlie was sharing great news about Adams Mill last week, there was another church here in town, really right down the road, not too far from here. And that church, which had decades full of fruitful ministry, but had declined in size over the last bit. Last Sunday, that church voted to close their doors and hand the Upstate Church Collective the keys that we would would birth a new church out of a really nice debt-free facility this fall. How cool is that? Like when you get in on the front end of what it is that God's up to, then he provides. And I could tell story after story about that sort of thing as well. And in 10 days, Charlie and I and Kyle from over at Summit, we're meeting with a core group of people in Woodruff about planting a new church in that growing part of the upstate of South Carolina. And if you live within a few miles of downtown Woodruff, you're gonna be receiving an email from us pretty soon. They call that a teaser in the business, but. And here's what I need you to know. In all of these instances, Adams Mill, the church that's closing that we could relaunch something new out of it, Woodruff, in all of these instances, there has been ongoing conversations and prayer and intentionally looking for where the spirit is working that we might join him there. Another question I've received is a really good question from a few people. What about other churches in the Adams Mill area? And I love this question because in the few instances that I've been asked this question, I know the people that are asking, it comes from a heart of care and concern for other gospel-centered churches in the area. So in case anybody else asks you about that, historically, uh, when I and others have been a part of church planting in a new part of town or in the upstate, we go and we meet with the pastors in that area before we plant there to learn about their ministry, what ministry has been taking place within that geography, because we in no way think that ministry will begin when we show up. I hope you hear me in that. I fully expect and know based off of what Jesus said here in Matthew 16, that he is and has been building his church in that area long before we got there. We just wanna join in with other gospel-centered churches to be intentional in that geography. Church partnership is a core value of ours. Some have asked, can we go ahead and vote? Yep, and a lot of people already have. You can use the QR code on the screen in front of you, the chair in front of you, or you go to the website. It's on the front page of the website. I voted this past week, it took all of 30 seconds. It's not a hard or complicated thing, but you can go ahead and vote about the move to Adams Mill. Some have asked, can we go ahead and give? Yep, the building fund giving option is up and going. It's actually always up and going. Even this year before this was talked about, over $200,000 has been given to our building fund. And I wanna remind you of what Charlie said last week. It is our prayer that the 5.5 million for the land and the existing building before any renovations. We would love to see that amount come in over the next couple of months before we even start renovating anything. So those are the four questions I wanted to address. This is a real exciting time for our church family. We know that you're being prayerful and thoughtful as you consider what your role and our role collectively would look like. Years ago, uh, I started asking a question that I love to still ask, and as the Lord gives me opportunity to minister here at Fellowship Greenville, I'll keep asking it around fellowship because I think it's a real important question. It's this, what are we praying about that is in step with the mission of God for the glory of God that only God can do? What are we praying about that is in step with the mission of God for the glory of God that only God can do? Because when you're stepping into those things as he leads, it makes it real easy to articulate 
Look at what God's doing. Look at what God has done. We are theologically convinced that God intended every church to have the seed of multiplication in it. It's his brilliant design. It's how we are all here today as followers of Jesus. The nature of the church is one of reproduction. It is not here for itself. We, Fellowship Greenville, we are not here for ourselves. The purpose of the church is caught up in the promise of Jesus. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What better to give our lives to? Can I pray over you? Father God, for the opportunity together with brothers and sisters in Christ today, be reminded of your love and your care for us in and through Jesus Christ, we thank you. To have our hearts and minds reminded that we've been called into a relationship with you to be your representation in the places that you've put us for such a time as this. That before the foundation of the world, you knew the neighborhoods we would live in, our places of employment, our schools, and that in those places, the beauty and the hope of the gospel would be accessible to people because the gospel was in us in those places. And Father God, I'm so thankful for this church, your faithfulness to us through the years, the many who have gone before us and sacrificially given yeah, with money, but with their time and with their lives to be about what you said you would build. Not a building, but a people. It does my heart good to look around this room and see so many who have walked so faithfully for so long. Would you add to their number That if you so see fit 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, because you're still redeeming a people, there is a group of folks here who are able to share the story about how you showed up and made good on your promise to continue to build your church because that's what you've been about. And every bit of it is for your glory and for your fame. Thanks for the privilege of being a part of your promise. In Jesus' sweet name we pray, amen.